You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Y'all ready for the word tonight? I say y'all ready for the word tonight? Okay, get your journals out. Get your phones out if you wanna take notes on your phone. Not if you want to, like, check Instagram. That's not right now. Uh, get, if you've got a physical Bible in the house because you're a gangster, you can get that out. I see a couple. I see a couple. Okay. Hey, hey, if you need to move seats tonight, do whatever you got to do to get the most out of this word, to hear God. You guys can go ahead and turn with me over to James chapter 1. And I'm going to throw two scriptures at you tonight. James chapter 1 and John chapter 11. And I just want to warn y'all tonight, Ella, get ready for this. I got a valid word for y'all tonight. This word, this word is valid. I need you to look to your neighbor, look to your neighbor and say, this word about to be valid, (laughs) y'all. Ella has been begging me to say valid in my message. You're welcome. And Tegan. I know. Thank you. I love you guys. Okay. (laughs) Let's reel it in, y'all. Let's reel it in. We are currently in a very long series, right? Bring it in. We're in a very long series, but it's also an amazing series right now that we're calling The Way of the Spirit versus The Way of the Flesh. And if you're just now joining us tonight, let me bring you up to speed on what we're talking about in this nine-week series. Hello. Hello. We are focusing on something you've probably heard before, found in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, called the fruit of the what? The fruit of the Spirit. If you're a Christian in the house tonight, I hope we got some Christians in the house. Listen to me, listen to me. If you're a Christian, then I want you to know you are 100% called to grow and display every single fruit of the Spirit in your life. That's your calling. You're not just called to grow the fruit that like you like or the fruit that you think you're good at growing because like that's your Enneagram number. Like, no, 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 no. You are called to grow every single fruit of the Spirit in your life. Why? Because Jesus grew every single fruit of the Spirit in his life, right? And we opened up the series talking about how the Holy Spirit, he wants to produce these certain qualities inside of us, but there's not the, the Holy Spirit is not the only one that wants to produce qualities in us, right? We also have our... Somebody has not been taking, taking notes. What else wants to grow in us? Our flesh, there we go, that's right. Because when you read Galatians chapter five, you know, we tend to just read the nice parts about the fruit of the spirit. But did you know that when you read the whole chapter, it's crazy. You actually find out pretty quickly that there is a war that is raging inside of every single one of us. And it's the war between your flesh and what it's trying to grow in you and your spirit or the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is trying to grow in us. So each week in this series, we are not just talking about the fruit of the spirit, We're comparing the fruit of the Spirit to the fruit or the way of the flesh. And we're seeing just how different those actually are. They are so different, it's not even funny. And so, we have talked in week one about how love is versus selfishness. Two weeks ago, Pastor David Terry brought a fire word on joy versus despair. I literally took so many notes, I ran out of paper on my journal It was amazing. I hope you were there for that. And then last week, y'all, Maddie Brown preached a word. It was so good. 
She brought the word on peace versus anxiety. If you've missed any of those messages, man, do yourself a favor. Go back and listen to those. But tonight we're going to be looking at a fruit of the Spirit that is so backwards to our world, our culture, the time that we're living in today. All of the fruits are from the Spirit. They're all backwards, but this one especially. We're talking about the way of patience. Somebody say patience. patience. Versus the way of hurry. Somebody say hurry. hurry. The way of patience versus the way of hurry. James chapter 1, starting in verse 2. Let's jump in. It says, my brethren. Ooh. That's a good word. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. It produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen? Let's pray, y'all. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, I thank you so much for tonight. Father, we thank you that we have instant access to you tonight, that we don't have to work to know you. We don't have to work to grow this fruit in our lives. All we have to do is abide. All we have to do is stay connected. And so I thank you, Lord, for every single heart in this room, every single person. Lord, we wanna learn the way of patience. We live in a really fast-paced world. And we don't want to miss what you're doing because we are in a hurry. And so tonight, even right now, we just take a second to breathe. And we say, we want you here. Teach us how to be patient like Jesus tonight. We love you, Lord. Speak to every single heart tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. Told you to turn to John chapter 11. You can get ready to go over there. John chapter 11, this is a famous passage of scripture. Uh, it's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Now, this is an odd story, y'all. And it's not odd because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because up until this point in the story, like Jesus has been, he's been beast mode. Like he's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been working in miracles. So the fact that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in the story is not odd. Are you hearing me? Yeah. The odd thing in this story is how he responds when he gets the news of Lazarus dying. Because he doesn't like rush over there. He doesn't hurry over there. He just kind of like, he's chilling. He takes his time. I want you to see this in scripture. Look at this, John chapter 11, five through seven. It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, who is Mary, and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. So if you would imagine with me, they come to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, your, your best friend, Lazarus, he's dying. Like, he is so sick, he's going to die. And Jesus is like, cool, I'm going to chill. For, I'm going to stay right here for a little bit. And they're like, you're not going to, you're not going to like go do your thing? He's like, no, I'll go in like two days. And then look at what happens. I want to skip down to the rest of the, the chapter. Look at this. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already dead for four days, y'all. Nasty. Bethany was near Jerusalem only a couple miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them for their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming, and she went to meet him, and she was mad, y'all. She was mad at Jesus. Mary remained in the house, and look at this. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She said, Jesus, why didn't you go quicker than that? Like, yo, Jesus, 
Why weren't you in a hurry? You can kind of hear the disappointment in Martha's voice, right? Like she's disappointed in Jesus because she didn't do what he expected him to do. She didn't move as quickly as she had expected him to move. And you know, this is where we start to see what I want to talk about tonight, which is the way of the flesh. It's the way of hurry. Somebody say the way of hurry. This is the part inside of us that wants things to happen on our own timeline. This is the part of us that wants to have control over all of the moving parts in our life. This is the part of us that hates to wait. Let's all be real tonight. Raise your hand if you hate waiting. Raise your hand. If your hand isn't up right now, here's what I want you to do tomorrow. I want you to go to the DMV, spend, spend five hours there, and then tell me how your day went, all right? Because how many of you know waiting sucks, right? Waiting is hard. And we live in a world that is so fast-paced and rushed that it makes it really hard for us to learn how to wait, right? The world we live in is moving really fast, and guess what? It ain't slowing down for you, and it ain't slowing down for me. And it's pretty easy, living in the world that we live in, to let that hurriness, that fast race of life start to leak onto our hearts to where we start to walk into a hurried pace. And as I was thinking about hurry in my life, I, I thought of a couple examples. I'm not gonna give them all to you. I don't wanna just spill my whole guts onto the platform tonight. But uh, there is a way in particular that I thought of recently that I was very impatient. I, I had some hurry creep up in my heart and that's with online shopping, y'all. Who hates online shopping? Does anybody else hate online shopping? Here's why I hate it. Here's why I hate it. I'm so, can I just be real? Can I vent for a second? I'm so mad at Amazon Prime, y'all. I'm mad at Amazon Prime because I love Amazon Prime. Here's why. Amazon Prime has ruined online shopping for me. You know why? Because they have this thing called two-day shipping. And I don't know how they do it, but it's amazing. You can buy something, and it'll basically be on your doorstep the very next day. Like, I don't know how they do it. It's crazy. And if you're lucky... You'll be scrolling through Amazon and there will be an item on there that says, this is magical, same day shipping. Have you ever bought something that was same day shipping before? That is some voodoo magic right there. <laughs> like you mean to tell me I can buy this iPhone case that I don't even need and it'll be in my doorstep today? Like what, hello, I'm gonna buy that right now. I don't even need it, but I'm gonna buy it. Again, I don't know what kind of like dark magic they're doing in Amazon or if they like stole like, elves from the North Pole to, to get their shipping process done, but they go really fast. And Amazon has ruined me for online shopping because now it's, not, it's unfair for other companies, but I expect other companies to be as fast as Amazon. And other companies cannot hang with Amazon, y'all. In fact, recently, recently I bought something really nerdy, uh, and y'all don't judge me, okay? But I like, I like planners, I like to-do lists, so I bought this really nerdy thing called the Monk Manual. Shout out to E-Man. Shout out to E-Man. E-Man showed me the Monk Manual. It's dope. Anyway, so I buy this thing, and I'm not even joking. After like two days of ordering the Monk Manual, I started getting weirdly obsessive about where it was. <laughs> Have you ever bought something, and you just like, you're checking the tracking number every day? Yeah. Like you buy a new pair of shoes, and you are like, where are my shoes, Right? I, so I bought this monk manual, and I started checking the tracking number every single day, y'all. And then I started getting sad, like legit sad. Every time I would come home from work, and I'm like, oh, and then I'd see my doorstep, and there was no monk manual on the doorstep. And I'm like, 
and I'd get all sad. And then this is where, this is where I noticed I had a problem, y'all, okay? I'm hanging out with Marlo. Marlo's bedroom faces our front yard, and I'm playing with Marlo, and I started to realize that I'm looking out of the window like a sad puppy, waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting for the UPS truck to turn around the corner, and he never showed up. And so one week goes by, two weeks go by, two and a half weeks go by, and I'm starting to get impatient, y'all. I'm like, Amazon would never do this to my packages. <laughs> so I reach out to the company, and I'm like, I, I, I write a nice email, okay? I wasn't rude about it, but I was like, hey, I haven't gotten my monk manual. It's been two and a half weeks. Like, could you help me? And they were just so happy to inform me that it had been lost in transit. So I had to wait a whole nother week to get it, right? Who hates waiting, y'all? Be real. Who hates waiting? Waiting is hard. And again, we live in a really fast-paced world where everything is basically at, at our fingertips. Like everything comes so quickly. We live in an Amazon Prime society. We live in a society that hates to be patient. We like to take shortcuts. Hello. And everything about our society that we live in is forming our hearts. If we're not careful, we can start treating God like Amazon. And you know what? God is not quick all the time. I love this quote from John Mark Comer. He says this, I want a shortcut to life. I was raised on the microwave and Visa and Amazon Prime and instant messaging and TV and on demand, the world at my fingertips. I want it all and I want it right now. Anybody else? That's me sometimes. But look at this. There are no, no shortcuts to life. You can't microwave character it's more like a tree that you grow slowly one season after another. There are summer-like seasons to your life where you can pluck joy off the limbs, where your life is dripping with growth and abundance, and there are winter seasons where life feels slow and empty. But look at this. The best trees are the ones that stay rooted and keep at it. Amen. That's a good quote right there. Now, I don't know where you find yourself tonight. I know... There's probably a handful of us in the room who are very busy. I understand that some of you are very busy. I also understand that there might be some of you tonight who are, just if you're just being honest, you're not that busy. In fact, you wish you were busy because you feel like the boredom in your life is eating you alive. Is that anybody in the house tonight? You don't have to be real. I get that's a little bit transparent, okay? But here's why I say this tonight. We're all on different boats as far as how busy our life is. And as I was praying about this message tonight, I think this is gonna be a certain message for some of y'all. Some messages are convicting messages. And then some messages are warning messages. Are you following me? Some messages convict. What that means is they talk about things that you're currently going through or you're currently struggling with. And other messages are actually meant to prepare you. They're meant to warn you. I feel like this message tonight, I've got a burden for some of you tonight. I think this is a, a preparing message for you because some of you guys aren't that busy yet, but I'm telling you from experience, you live in a world that is not slowing down. And if you're not careful, this world, if you don't run at the right pace, the pace God has for you, it will drill you into the ground. And I wanna help you guys walk in the pace that God has for you. Amen. Amen. Are we still here tonight? Yeah. Okay. Write this down if you're taking notes. We're talking about this a lot, but our culture celebrates hurry. Our culture celebrates hurry. So let's define hurry. What am I talking about when I say the word hurry? 
Well, I wanna give you the definition of something psychologists call hurry sickness. This is a real thing. You can be diagnosed with hurry sickness. And here's the definition of hurry sickness. It's a, it's a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Maddie talked about anxiety last week. Hurriness does not help your anxiety, y'all, all right? Number two, here's another definition of it. Hurry sickness is a malaise. Ooh, that's a fun word. A malaise, okay. It's a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and then gets flustered when encountering any kind of delay. Here's the next one. It's a continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events with less and less time. Can anybody relate to this tonight? If, it, if you can't, that's okay. You will one day. You will. And here's the problem. Our world celebrates the fast-paced, the rushed, the hustle, the grind. In fact, the busier you are in our world today, the more successful people think you are. And you know what else is not helping this truth? This thing called social media. Because we have social media, and it gives us this false reality of other people's lives. So we see the grinding that these famous people are doing, these young influencers, and then we start to get this thing called FOMO, y'all. FOMO's real. FOMO is real, the fear of missing out. We see these other people who have quote-unquote made it because they grinded so hard. Are you following me? They've been grinding. They have not rested. They look like they're bearing fruit in their life. They look super successful. So we get the fear of missing out, and we pick up this burden of hurry and rushed, and I need to grind too so I can look like that. And again, it might look good in the moment. It might be producing some fruit, but here's what we have to understand tonight. That kind of pace will eventually run out on you, and God did not design you to rush through anything in life. Let me say that again. God did not design you to rush through anything in life. I want to share uh, with you uh, a fable. This is like a century, like hundreds of years old fable. You've probably heard of it before. It's called the rabbit and the turtle. Y'all ever heard of the rabbit and the turtle before? If you haven't, I want to read this to you. You're gonna, it's going to ring a bell the second I start going through it, but this is an extremely old story. It's been told for hundreds of years. Here's how it goes. It goes, one day, a rabbit was boasting about how fast he could run. He was laughing at the turtle for being so slow. Much to the rabbit's surprise, the, the turtle challenged him to a race. Okay, turtle, I see you. The rabbit thought this was a joke and accepted the challenge. The fox was the umpire of the race. As the race began, the rabbit raced ahead of the turtle just like everybody thought. The rabbit got to the halfway point and could not see the turtle anywhere. He was hot and tired and decided to take a short nap. And even, though the, even if the turtle passed him, he was thinking he would be able to finish the race ahead of him. So all this time, though, the turtle kept on walking step by step. He never quit, no matter how hot or how tired he got, he just kept going. However, the rabbit slept longer than he had thought and woke up. He could not see the turtle anywhere, so he went full speed to the finish line, but found the turtle waiting for him. Wow. Y'all remember this story? You've heard this before? I think that this is a picture or a parable of the world that we live in today. Here's what I mean by that. This is a pattern that we are seeing taking place a lot today. 
because of the fast-paced pressure that we're putting on everybody today, the, the, the pressure to grind and to hurry and to not rest, uh, we're seeing people start to experience, people my age, really, this thing called burnout. Somebody say burnout. burnout. Y'all ever heard of burnout before? Burnout is what we see happen in the rabbit in this story. His pace, it was a good pace, right? He was pretty quick, way faster than the turtle. But it wasn't a pace that was good for the race that he was in. And so he came to a point in the middle of the race where he's so tired, he's so, uh, so hot from the race that he is forced to rest. And this is what we see happen with people who experience burnout, uh, and I want to give you the definition of burnout. This is what burnout is. Burnout is a state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed, emotionally drained, and unable to meet constant needs. And burnout happens when you have been going on overload for too long. You've been too busy. And here's what I want us all to understand tonight. Every single person has to rest at some point. And you will either rest because you chose to do it or because burnout forced you to rest. Y'all need to hear that again because you did not hear that very well. Every single person is going to rest and it's either gonna be because you chose to or you were forced to because of burnout. And when you, when you burn out, it is not pretty, y'all. When you burn out because you are so stressed, it's not pretty. It means you have to like lose your job or some people lose their families because of burnout because they, they made a career in their life, they're idle. Or they burn out and they lose their faith in God. It looks messy. And here's the crazy thing about burnout. I looked, I looked this up this week. The average age of burnout in America is 32 years old. It's 32 years old. Now, I know some of y'all tonight, tonight are hearing 32 and you're like, dude, Jackson, 32 is old, y'all. 32 is old. Let me just... Let me just give you a little perspective on how not old 32 is, okay? Now, contrary to popular belief, I know some of y'all think I'm 37, but I'm 27, y'all, okay? And, and the Lord has really helped me to forgive some of you guys who have thought I was 37. It's been a lot of work, but the Lord has been really good with me, and I've forgiven you, and I love you, okay? But I'm not 37. I'm 27, okay? And I'm getting pretty close to the average age of burnout in America. And I've, I've currently, at this point, been in full-time ministry for four years now. Is this making sense? Yeah. Now, here's what's crazy about this. I started thinking about Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't even start his full-time ministry until he was 30 years old. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus didn't even start his purpose for his life until he was 30 years old. So that means that most people in our country are facing burnout before Jesus even started his full-time ministry. That's crazy. And you know what? As I was thinking about this, it's no wonder that your generation and my generation are so stressed in life because you are expected to have your entire life mapped out by the time you're a junior in high school. And can I just tell you, you don't. That's ridiculous. You don't have to have your entire life planned out by the time you're a junior in high school. You just don't. This is why our generations are so stressed out because we, we have this image that we have to have this certain amount of money by the time we're like 20 years old or this certain type of car or these certain types of clothes. And because of this fast pace pressure that we pick up, it drives us into the ground. It makes us live really anxious lives. Are you following me tonight? 
And even though this is gonna be hard for you and I to learn in the culture that we live in, here's a reality that we have got to pick up as believers in God. God is not in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. And let's just think about this for a second. Everything that God does in the scriptures, you know what? He takes his time. Think about creation with me for a second. When God created the universe, you know, he is powerful enough. He could have just like snapped and everything in a single moment could just come into existence. But how many of y'all have read Genesis 1 before? Is that how God creates? No, 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 no. God, he took his time, right? He set the pace for everything. He spent time working on the sun and the moon. He spent time working on the waters. He took his time with the animals. God set a pace. And then not only that, he rested on the last day. Did God need to rest? No, 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 no. But he set the pace for us because God is not in a hurry. Think about Jesus, all right? God could have totally sent Jesus down, like just like alien abducted him down, reverse abduction, down to the earth as a 30-year-old man, right? And he could have just cut straight to the chase with Jesus. Like, all right, Jesus, ready, go. Ministry, cross, resurrection. All right, church, come on, hustle, let's go. We got a dying world. Where are you at? You need to be running. But that's not what Jesus does. God takes his time with us. And you know what? I hope you're thankful that God takes his time with us. Because how many of you in this moment right now would say that you look just like Jesus in your life? Any, any takers? Okay, good. Because <laughs> if somebody raised your hand, we were going to have to have a little praise session right now. But uh, yeah, nobody, nobody looks like Jesus right now. But did you know, as a Christian, your calling in life is to be transformed into the image of who? Jesus. So you are called, you are literally called in life to look and talk and act like Jesus. And even though that is what you were called to, even though that's what you're made for, not only that, even though the Holy Spirit empowers you to do that, how many of you still miss the mark? Man, I miss the mark. And are you thankful that God is patient with you when you miss the mark? I'm thankful that when I don't miss the mark of Jesus, which is a pretty high standard, that God doesn't come up to me and he goes, Jackson, you're done. I've seen what I need to see, Jackson, and you're done. <laughs> how many of y'all are thankful that Jesus is patient with you? How many of you are thankful that God is not in a hurry with you? No, God is patient with us. God is patient. He is not in a hurry. In fact, Paul reminds us of this beautifully in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at this. He says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst of all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. That's a good passage right there. God is not in a hurry with you tonight. I want you to know that. Look at this. John Mark Comer says this. God is more concerned with your long-term character than your short-term happiness. And he is more than willing to sacrifice the one to get the other. He is more concerned with where you're going to be 30 years from now than what you want right now. And you know what that means? That means he's not in a hurry with you. That means we are going to have to learn how to be a patient people. Amen? So what does hurry do to us? What does hurry do when we start to pick it up? I want to hurry through these uh, points. I know that's very ironic for the message that I'm preaching. 
but I want to get to patience. So follow along with me. First one is this, hurry reacts. Look to your neighbor and say, hurry reacts. Have you ever been uh, late for something before? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, no, never. You ever slept in and you ever slept in and you were late for practice or school? Okay. So would you say that you were rushed in that moment? Yes. Okay. Think about this with me. In those moments when you are rushed, is it really hard to act like Jesus? Yeah. It's really hard to act like Jesus because what happens when we're rushed and something comes against us, we react. And you know what? Reactions are not pretty. Reactions are usually loud and they're messy and they're explosive. And unfortunately, the people that get the brunt force of a reaction are the people that are closest to us. So it's like your parents, your siblings, for me, it's my wife or my daughter, Marlo. These, the people that we love that are closest to us are the ones that experience the reaction. And when we're moving through life in a hurry, when, we, when we're filled to the brim with stuff to do, when we have no margin in our life, then you know what we do? When we bump up against something, we react. We say things we didn't mean to say. We do things we didn't mean to do. We start to function in the way of the flesh. And this is not what we're called to do. We're not called to be in a hurry through life. Why? Because God is not in a hurry with us. Number two, write this down if you're taking notes. Hurry blurs our judgment. It blurs our judgment. Have you ever been rushed to make a quick decision before? Okay. I don't know if anybody can relate to me on this, but this has happened to me multiple Christmases now. Uh, my mom will call me in October, and she'll be like, quick, Jackson, I'm at the store. What do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, uh, it's, it's October, mom. Can, can this wait? And she's like, no, 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 no. There's an amazing sale. Like, what do you want? Just tell me. Have you ever been rushed to make a decision before? And then you're just like, uh, I don't know. Surprise me. Then you get to Christmas, and you're surprised <laughs> because she got you everything you would never have picked out, Right? This is because a rushed decision, it blurs our judgment. When we are hurried, we don't make the right decisions. Our judgment is blurred. And I think a perfect example of this, of this in scripture is when Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. And y'all, it wasn't even good soup. Like lentil soup, y'all. It wasn't even like Campbell's chicken doodle, okay? Look at this. Genesis chapter 25. It says this, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. That was a bad move, dude. And Esau said, Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is this birthright to me? So Jacob said, swear to me now right? A rushed decision. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. Bread and lentil stew, y'all. And he went and ate and drank and rose and went away. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Okay, so Esau, he was in a hurry. He was rushed. He wanted an Amazon Prime fix 
for an uncomfort that he was feeling in the moment. Was Esau actually going to die in this moment? Probably not. <laughs> was he uncomfortable in this moment? Yeah, definitely. Esau was uncomfortable. But he allowed a little bit of discomfort to lead him towards blurred judgment. And that blurred judgment led him to trade something of great value. And I'm not talking like Walmart great value. I'm talking like, like great value, his birthright. He traded something great for, for some lentil soup, y'all. New Song students, I have been thinking about this a lot this week. What are some things of great value that you are trading in for a bowl of soup, for a quick fix in your life? We do all of this. We do this all the time because we're in a hurry. We, we, we think things like this. Maybe I've experienced this before. We say things like, eh, I don't really want to wait until marriage, so I'll trade my purity for a quick fix. Or, or I don't really want to wait on the Lord because I've had a really long day, so I'm just going to have a quick scroll through TikTok, right? Yeah. And how many of you know it's never a quick scroll, right? It ends up being hours. And what do we do? We trade in something of great value for a quick fix. We trade it. But look at this. Dallas Willard says this. I love this. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. We gotta be ruthless about this pace that the enemy is gonna try to get you to run at. And I got a spicy quote for y'all. Y'all ready for this spice? This is level five spicy, y'all, okay? Y'all ain't ready for this. John Ortberg, that's a name right there. I love this quote. I posted it yesterday. It says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. That means like walk away from God. That's not the great danger. The great danger is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We'll just skim through our lives instead of actually living them. Whew. So this is what hurry does to us. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is actually really simple. We need to learn to let the Holy Spirit teach us the way of patience. Y'all ready to learn about the way of patience? Let's do it. I wanna give you guys two definitions of patience because there are two ways that you can look at patience and one way is biblical and the other way is not, okay? So the first one is this. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry. Now, here is the Greek word for, for, uh, for patience. It's the word hypomone. This is what's used in the New Testament, and it says this. It is steadfastness. It's constancy, and it's endurance. In the New Testament, it's the characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose. So can you spot the difference there? Can you spot the difference? One is the ability to not get angry. It's just doing nothing and waiting for things to get better. The other type of patience is active. It's an active patience. It's not just waiting. There is momentum involved in this biblical patience. That's because biblical patience is not waiting. It is training. Biblical patience is not waiting. It is training. It's about actively waiting. It's kind of like this. It's like the difference between you getting injured. I know we've got some injured folks in the house tonight. We love you. 
We'll pray for you at the altar, okay? So it's like this. It's the difference between you getting injured and then waiting for it to heal by doing nothing and then you going to physical therapy, right? Now, some of y'all know my wife is in physical therapy school, so I hear this physical therapy talk a lot. And I ran this by her, so it's, I fact-checked it. This is true, okay? But did you know, you can get injured, you can do nothing, you can patiently do nothing, and that injury will heal, but it will take longer, and it can even heal improperly. But you can get injured, and you can patiently do physical therapy, and you know what? It's going to hurt a little bit. You're going to have to do some uncomfortable things, but you will heal quicker, and you can even heal stronger than before the injury. This is the patience of God. This is what biblical patience looks like. It's not just waiting and doing nothing. It is faith and movement. And we see this all throughout scripture. In fact, Psalm 40, this is the verse that gave our church our name. Look at how it starts. Psalm 40, I what? I what? I waited patiently for the, I patiently waited. That's right. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to hear my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. Here's the good part. He put a new song in my mouth. Hello. A song of praise to our God. I was thinking about this this week. This is a crazy thought to think about. You don't get to the solid rock and you don't get the new song without first waiting patiently. You don't get the solid rock and you don't get the new song without first being patient. And David even gives us the perfect picture of patience because look at what it says. It says, God inclined and heard my cry. Do you know what that implies? That implies that there was crying out happening, that there was a seeking that was happening. It wasn't just a waiting and doing nothing. This implies that there was an active waiting happening. Are you following me tonight? So with the short time that we have left, what does patience look like in our life? What does patience look like? How do, we, how do we know if we're walking in patience that is biblical or not biblical? First one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Patience responds prayerfully. Patience responds prayerfully. I want to go back to John chapter 11, story about Jesus and Lazarus. Remember, Jesus was given this terrible news about his friend, and everyone in the room had an expectation for Jesus uh, to do what pretty much everybody does when they get bad news. You know what we do when we get bad news? We react. And they all expected Jesus to react to this bad news. We tend to react when trials come our way. We do things we didn't mean to do. We do things without thinking. Sometimes we even do things that seem very right in the moment. They seem very logical. Like for Jesus, it seems very logical for him to hear this bad news and to start making his way towards Lazarus, right? That's a logical thing to do. But even though it was logical, it wasn't what God was doing in the moment. Jesus gives us a model of prayerfully responding. Now, this text doesn't actually tell us that Jesus prayed. Like, it doesn't say Jesus heard the news, and then he was like, all right, time out. I need to go talk to my father. And then he goes and spends time with God. And then he's like, hey, God told me I need to stay two more days. That's, it doesn't tell us that Jesus did that. But we know from Jesus himself in John chapter 5, that he didn't do anything unless the Father told him to do it. Jesus was so deeply connected to God through prayer 
that he didn't do something unless he knew Jesus, God was doing it. Look at this, John chapter five. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son of God can do some things. Is that what it says? The son of God can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, so the son does also. So Jesus, in this moment, he models patience for us because he understands that we're not called to do what seems right in the moment. We're called to do what the Father is doing. And even though it probably seemed right for Jesus to leave instantly and to go to Lazarus, that wasn't what the Father was doing in the moment. So you know what Jesus did? He stayed. He stayed right where he was. And students, I just wanna ask you tonight, how are you doing with that? How are you prayerfully responding to trials in your life? Are you prayerfully responding to trials in your life? Or do you just react? Do you just do whatever feels right in the moment? Or when something happens in your life, is your first response to say, God, what are you doing in this moment? God, what do you want me to say? Do you want me to go to this school or not? Do you want me to date this person or not? I'm not gonna do what I think is right. I wanna do what only my father is doing. Are you following me? Amen. Y'all hanging in with me tonight? You guys are a little quiet. Okay, just, okay, cool. I wanna invite the band to come as we get ready to close. Point number two is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Patience trusts that there's a purpose. Patience trusts that there is a purpose. Look at this, James 1.4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many of you would wanna be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? Okay, that's great. You know what the pathway to that is? Trials. <laughs> Sorry. The pathway to being complete and perfect and lacking in nothing is patience. And Jesus trusted God's timing. Jesus knew that this trial, his friend, being sick, was a moment for God to do something in the waiting. And one of the reasons why waiting is so hard for us today is because we think that waiting is about getting that thing. Like we think waiting is about that outcome and getting that thing and that's gonna be what changes us. Like we think getting that relationship is gonna be the thing that finally changes us. Or getting to that school that we wanna go to is gonna be the thing that finally changes us. But here's the reality. We tend to think that the outcome is what's gonna make us better. The outcome is gonna perfect us. But God's kingdom is upside down, it's different. And in God's kingdom, God shows us that the outcome is actually not what's gonna make you complete. It's the waiting that's gonna make you complete. There's something happening there's a purpose in your patience something is happening when you and i choose to wait he's doing things and students what have you been waiting for tonight what are some things some things that you're looking forward to in the future that you think are going to complete you when you get to that point you think when i get this thing when i get those shoes when i get that job when i get those friends then i'll be good but can i tell you that those things are not going to make you complete it's the waiting and the actively waiting that is gonna complete you and perfect you, amen. Last thing is this, point number three, patience sees people. Patience sees people. Ultimately, you and I learning how to be patient, like the Holy Spirit is patient with us, it's not just so that we can get good at waiting for stuff that we want. That's not what patience is about. Patience is ultimately for other people. It's for us to treat other people like God would treat them. Because God, listen to me, this is a good quote, y'all. God will never be able to use people who are too busy for people. 
God will never be able to use people who are too busy for people. And what I love about Jesus is that he was the son of God. Like Jesus had stuff to do, y'all. He was busy. But Jesus was never so busy that he wouldn't take a moment to minister to somebody. He was never too busy for people. And we don't have time to read this whole story, but there's a beautiful story of this in Luke chapter eight about the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember this story? The woman with the issue of blood? It actually starts off similar to the story of Lazarus. It starts off with bad news. Some people come to Jesus and they're like, hey, yo, Jesus, there's this guy named Jairus and his daughter is dying. Can you help us? And Jesus is like, yeah, I can help you. So he starts making his way towards Jairus's house to heal this little girl, but he doesn't react, he responds. And he's walking through this crowd of people and the woman with the issue of blood is in this crowd. And she is so desperate to be healed by Jesus that she reaches out through faith in this moment and just touches the hem of Jesus's garment and instantly she's healed. And here's what I love about this. Jesus notices. He wasn't moving so fast that he didn't notice. He notices that power left him. Then he notices the woman. Then he stops going to this trial. He makes time, he stops and he looks this woman in the eyes like a human being, treats her like a person, gives her the time of day and he ministers to her. And everybody in this moment is thinking the same thing. They're all like, yo, Jesus, we got places to be. Hey, yo, Jesus, aren't you trying to go heal Jairus' daughter? Why are you stopping for this woman? Everybody in the room is thinking the same thing. Jesus, why aren't you in a hurry? But Jesus models patience so beautifully in this story. Jesus moved at a pace that wasn't too fast for people. Jesus moved at the pace of love because Jesus saw people. New Song students, do you see people? For real, do you see people? Or are you moving so fast in your life? Do you have so many things going on in your life that you can't even recognize the first timer that comes into this house? I'm not trying to step on any toes. I'm just trying to be real. Are you going at such a fast pace that you don't see people? Because here's what I'm telling you tonight. God wants to use you. Like God wants to minister to people through you, not just me. He wants to use every single student in the room, but he can never use you if you are too busy for people. So how's your hurry? How's your patience? The Holy Spirit wants to teach us the way of patience tonight. And patience looks like this. It looks like prayerfully responding to trials. Patience looks like trusting that God is using our waiting to do something in us. And patience is moving at a pace that can see people around us and say, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.